This is Chris Martin, and me and my buddy Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Everything, host an NBA podcast called The Mismatch. They call it The Mismatch because I'm awesome and Kevin is a gigantic nerd. No, no, that's not why at all, Chris. They call it The Mismatch because I have a brain and you're a loudmouth bozo. Good grief. (laughs) Anyway, listen to our amazing NBA podcast, The Mismatch. Or don't. We really don't care. We're probably going to win a million awards either way. <laughs> Chris, we do care. So don't say that. Please subscribe and listen to The Mismatch only on Spotify. Did you really call me a bozo? <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. David, what's on your mind today? I was just watching Shams on the Pat McAfee show talking about his uh, his breaking news about Kyrie Irving today and, and McAfee opened it up by saying um, you broke news today using a word that we all had to look up and then proceeded the word turned out to be impasse and proceeded to like both pronounce <laughs> it and and, and uh, use it incorrectly when he was trying to read and that's fine and it got me thinking well that is that an only in journalism word I mean I know that we have that there's like we use impasse in other parts of life, but does it meet the criteria of the now shuttered department of overused journalism words? And the reason why it even like stuck, the reason why I'm having this conversation with you is because just the day before I was listening to a several episodes old episode of The Town, uh, The Town, Matt Bellany's wonderful ringer podcast about Hollywood and uh, all its surrounding environs. Um, and he had Alex Sherman on talking about how Disney fired Peter Rice, and that's sort of beside the point. But um, in discussing the situation, Alex Sherman said, they would make fun of me on the press box for saying this. <laughs> but Disney's CEO is is embattled. And it got me to thinking, I, I'm very reluctant to do this, but it got me to... It, do we? Do I need to say something in defense of only in journalism words? Because we, it, there is a point where you're discussing a CEO in such a position where the only word that works is embattled, even though that's the only... Maybe it's an only in journalism word because no one else has the 
no one else ever has to discuss that sort of situation. It's, <laughs> I think they would just say he's screwed. Well, which journalism okay. couldn't quite do. But he's feeling pressure from multiple sides. He's like, mm. he's trying to, you know, eke out a some way to stay in power in a situation where that, you know, his grasp on power may be tenuous. And more than that, it's the perception. I think that's why it's a journalism word. It's the perception from outside that he has a tenuous grasp on power. It's not a thing you would talk about. It's only a thing that would that would be described by a journalist trying to explain the situation, right? Impasse isn't the same thing. It is, but it is a word where there's certainly more contract impasses uh, in our day-to-day life than there are like, you know, an impasse in any sort of normal way that would come up. I don't know. Sometimes these words are really the best way to describe something, even if it's just an incredible you know, thigh slapper of a, of a only in journalism word. Can I just say how happy this makes me? <laughs> My dream for this podcast was that it would create this climate of fear in our industry where people would just be saying, would say something and just be looking over their shoulder like, uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh. Got to be on press Brian box Curtis tomorrow. is going to scold me, but. <laughs> Comically scold me, but he's going to scold me. All the same. I also want to take up what you said about McAfee there. We all had to look this word up. That feels like an only in sports radio phrase. Where what? You oh, encounter, we all had to look this word up? Oh, does he, is he, you is he deliberately the playing word? Down? Well, no, I'm just saying you encounter the 50 cent word of the $1 word and go, whoa, whoa, whoa there, Mr. Dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 with you and your fancy words there. We better look that baby up. That's true. That's true. Well, I absolutely love it. I think, though, it got the point across. Whether or not there was some sort of impasse in, you know, someone's Yeah, I kind of want to know what that means. Skills, I'm, I'm glad he pushed for a definition, because I definitely want to know what impasse means in this case. Well, but presumably it would be described in the following paragraphs, right? I mean, in the lead, though, what were you going to say? The, uh, Kyrie Irving and the Nets are at loggerheads over his new contract? <laughs> now that's an only in journalism <laughs> word. <laughs> Coming up, besides David and I's comic scolding, we will put a wrap on the NBA Finals. We have an NHL call that may have been made just for David. Plus, are you changing your driving habits, David, in the sense of listening to podcasts and audiobooks in the car instead of listening to music? We'll try not to sound too much like a native ad right here on the Press Box, a part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Hello, media consumers. Brian Curtis, David Shoemaker, producer Erica Cervantes here. We need to put a bow, David, on the biggest media story of the last couple weeks. Of course, I'm speaking of NBA Finals bumper music. (laughs) Great. I can't tell you how much fun it is to watch the games. And one of the songs that we've had lots of fun with will be played by ESPN going into commercial. Mm-hmm. And my Twitter mentions turn into that app on the phone where it identifies whatever song is playing in the cafe oh, you're sitting in. Shazam. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's like, it's the boys are back by thin Lizzie. <laughs> it's even flow by Pearl jam. I'm like, yeah, I know I'm, I'm, I'm here. I want to report that ESPN finally got the bumper music, right? Game six, Warriors are closing out the Celtics. Boston, you remember in that game, got off to a very hot start. Like, uh uh-oh, 
Are we going to go seven here? And ESPN played the boys are back in town. Okay. Celtics back in Boston. Hot start. Mm -hmm. I'll accept that. I understand the thematic connection here. They also, David, went to the blimp shot of Boston in the second quarter, and they played, wait for it, Spirit in the Sky. (laughs) Okay. Spirit in the Sky. Blimp. I got it. It finally made sense. Wait, is it possible that they've just been over our heads the whole time? No pun intended about the blimp thing. (laughs) You're saying that there have been these references that we just didn't get because we're not smart enough? Yeah, or it doesn't even matter if they're like particularly they would be particularly highbrow. Just that, like, if they're if they're done with intention, does that make it okay? Yeah, but we had a lot of weird intention being suggested here. Remember when Spirit in the Sky's Norman Greenbaum? Someone told us, "Well, no, no, he's from Boston. That's why they keep playing this song." Yeah, I don't think that's the reason <laughs> they're playing this over and over again during the playoffs. But thank you for that suggestion. <laughs> pretty sure pretty sure it was coming up when they were in San Francisco too. But yes, let's look for more sly illusions. Let's cut ESPN a little slack. Thanks to all who participated in the great bumper music campaign of 2022. Uh, David, after the Warriors won the series four games to two, we had a reappearance of Steph Curry's doubters. <laughs> I was struck by a New York Times headline. Steph Curry left his critics with nothing else to say. You also remember the Dwayne Wade, LeBron James Twitter exchange from the other day Mm -hmm. where they were talking about the doubters. This is an interesting one because you and I could sit here and say like, wait a second. Are there people that are really doubting Steph Curry at this point? Even before he won his fourth ring. Yeah. Is there any significant number of people who's like, you know, I find Steph Curry deficient as a basketball player. I think it's less that people are doubting him. As a great player, I mean, I'm sure that you could rile up a lot of people with, does he belong in the top 10 or whatever? Although a lot of people seem to be saying that pretty nonchalantly after the playoffs. Um, But it's more like, are we willing to entertain the conversation, right? It's not, it doesn't make you a doubter. I don't think, I don't think it inherently makes you a doubter if you're Mike Greenberg the day after they won the title going on Get Up and saying, Listen, there's some legitimacy to what people were saying about he only, you know, he won that that with KD and then, you know, the other ones were a little fluky or whatever. I don't think Greenberg was signing, was co-signing the notion that that Steph Curry was like an inadequate superstar or legend prior to these playoffs, but he gave voice to it, right? Like we talked about it before. We're in an era where everything has to be, everything is content, so every conversation has to be, you know, Every every subject has to be broached, you know, and that just makes everybody into doubters. Well, I think the interesting part of this is, yes, you're right. That particular opinion. Well, he didn't win an NBA Finals MVP yet before this year. Well, KD was on two of those championship teams. That is out there. What's interesting is where it's coming from. And I suspect if we did... uh a study of this, we would find that almost all of that is coming from TV opinion shows. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's some sports radio segments mixed in there, but do we know anybody, any person in what we would consider the NBA print universe who is doing the, are we sure Steph Curry is this good take at any time over the last couple of years? No. 
So it's in the universe. But what's interesting to me is I think it comes from those opinion shows or, you know, Greeny or whomever it is. And then everybody feels the need, even people who never thought this, who thought that idea was ridiculous. Then when Steph Curry wins the fourth title, they say, aha, Steph Curry has silenced the critics. (laughs) Steph Steph Curry is like, were the critics really that big a deal? How many critics were they? Who were they? Because if you say Steph Curry silences the guy on TV, it's not really that exciting. That's true. And it doesn't really seem like a worthy piece to write. But if you say the critics, whoa, whoa. the critics are out there. <laughs> the Steph Curry critics. Um, also wanted to direct you to who I think is the biggest media star of the NBA Finals. Draymond Green of the Warriors. Mm-hmm. You made a good point the other day where you say anything that happens during the finals is a tease ahead for Draymond Green's podcast. Sure. Post game show. It then felt over the last couple of days where he was tweeting on Sunday, Hey, we're locked in for game seven, even though game seven is of course not happening because the Warriors won game six in Boston, Mm -hmm. that anything he did was also a tease ahead for Draymond Green's career as an analyst on TNT. Mm hmm. It's all, you know, we've had the Tom Brady discussion. When was Brady going to be good at broadcasting? When's he going to start broadcasting? Draymond Green has kind of solved that problem because he's broadcasting right now. Yeah. And he's also already good at it. Mm -hmm. We didn't need to wait some period of time or have him get an ambassadorship like Brady did from the Turner Networks. He's good at it right now. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's a good, listen, we can get into a whole discussion about how much leverage he's creating for himself by producing a successful podcast, presumably very successful podcast. Um, because you're right. I mean, he'll, he's, he's going to take those skills forward, but I mean, is it, would it be shocking to, if you got to a place where he said, actually don't need to do that, you know, where he could just keep, chugging ahead with the podcast or go like all in just to go the Pat McAfee, the aforementioned Pat McAfee route. I mean, does he (laughs) need the TNT post game show to have the voice and the money that one would assume that would afford him? Mm, Or just say, I already did it. Sure. Like, I don't need to have this second career in broadcasting because that was part of my first career playing basketball and winning championships. Yeah, that's true. And so this why do is, I need to make a second career? Out it's, of it? So it, it is. I mean, and because he's doing it while he's playing, it's certainly more of a seamless transition, right? I mean, it is a thing that he did. Well, it's like, yeah, it's like he's transitioning straight to the bench, except in the media version of that. I've got an NHL call for you, David. Nice. This was from uh, game one of the Stanley cup. Uh, Avs lightning, the Avs Andre Burakovsky scored in overtime to win the game. I want you to listen closely and see if there is not a pun baked into this call that was made just for you. Shoots, it's blocked. Michushkin with it, Burakovsky, he scores! Andre with a giant goal! And you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here because this party is over! Colorado wins game one in overtime! Um, <laughs> you're referring, I assume, to the Andre the Giant uh, joke in there. There's not mm-hmm. a direct. 
Then he went on to the, you can you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. And I'm trying, I was just like, <laughs> wait, is that what Bobby the Brain Heenan said after Andre the Giant Vic? No, I'm thinking of the, the, the Reverend Slick, and that's not what he said. That was just totally disconnected, I guess, from the Andre the Giant joke. We're just layering them on. That was point. a little bonus joke, yeah. Yeah. Um, that was uh, Connor McGahee, play-by-play -play announcer for 92.5 FM in Denver. Great stuff, Connor McGahee. All right, David, one very final important matter. It's the matter of legendary Cowboys running back Emmett Smith and IHOP. What? So you know those articles and sports radio segments where we get a very famous athlete appearing on behalf of yes, a company of course, yeah, yeah. they're advertising for, and we get that telling line, so what are you doing with IHOP? Mr. Smith. Mm -hmm. Well, Emmett Smith has apparently been on something of an IHOP media tour, which is what it is. But I was interested in this headline in the Dallas Morning News that I got from their Cowboys email. Pancakes and Emmett Smith. How the former cowboy is teaming up with IHOP for Father's Day. <laughs> Here's a subheadline, David. Where will the all-time rushing leader be spending Father's Day? Probably IHOP, he said. <laughs> is there a body that goes with this headline? Or is this just like is this just like what on the front page of the onion where the joke is just the head and the and the deck and, and the, no one bothered to write the content that goes beneath I, it? I, I had personally seen enough and wish they had ended it there, but yes, I believe there was an article that came with probably IHOP. <laughs> now, what's interesting to me about this is, of course, what you do in these cases is you do the product plug and then you get Emmett Smith to talk about the 90s Cowboys, the current Cowboys, whatever it is you want to talk to him about. Mm -hmm. But rarely is there a checkable claim made in the article by the athlete. That he would be at IHOP? That he would be at IHOP, yes. Probably IHOP. <laughs> I don't know if it's Father's checkable. Day. It's a very, there's a lot of uncertainty baked in. <laughs> so I looked at Emmett Smith's in Instagram. Don't say we don't do reporting on this podcast. I did not find any evidence that Emmett Smith was at IHOP yesterday. Dang. I did find him sitting at a table talking broadly about Father's Day. Then I went to Emmett Smith's Twitter account. See, we do follow-up reporting on this podcast. And I found a picture of him eating with apparently the 90s Cowboys. I think that's who that is on May 6th. I'm looking at the restaurant, though. Not an IHOP. Not IHOP? Dang. Mm -mm. Here's Emmett Smith. Happy Cinco de Mayo from Orlando. Does not appear to be an IHOP. <laughs> so if you have any reporting on whether Emmett Smith spent Father's Day at IHOP, which he has indicated to the Dallas Morning News that he probably would do. <laughs> Please send it to us at the Press Box Pod. We'll give you a book from Alex Trebek's estate sale. If you can provide any important details. Sorry, I'm actively searching on Twitter just to see if somebody saw him at an IHOP on Father's Day. Maybe he just was keeping it low profile and didn't want to publicize it himself. And... There is a tweet from somebody that says they just ran into Emmett Smith at IHOP in Addison, Texas, presumably, in January 1st, 2010. 
<laughs> and weirdly, this is when I just search Emmett Smith IHOP. This I get to this pretty quickly. And then June second, two thousand ten, just saw Emmett Smith walking out of IHOP NBD. Oh no! no. Wow. September 10th, 2017, Emmett Smith is at the IHOP I'm at, dot, 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 dot. These are all different users. So wait a second. So we know Emmett Smith spent New Year's Day 2010 at IHOP? That's what you're saying? Yes. No, 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 yeah, January 1st. He was there New Year's Day. You're right. Unfortunately, June 2nd, 2010 was not Father's Day. That was June (laughs) 20th, 2010, so. But But maybe you can just read a little bit less... There's a little, a little bit less, you know, callousness into his. Well, probably, I. It's not. He's not just. Being, he's not just trying to tout this, this business partnership. And instead of saying <laughs> I'm not going to be at IHOP, or you know, knowing that he's not going to be there, he's like, I don't know. Probably, it's not just a lie to put over the business partnership. Maybe he's just stating the obvious. You know me. If it's a day, if it's a Sunday, I'm probably at IHOP. So you know, that's the, the, he's just being being straight. And please know that David and I. This is this is our level of restaurant here. Oh, IHOP is the best. This is squarely in our wheelhouse. There's probably a time in both of our lives where somebody asked, "What are you doing this weekend?" And David and I said, "Probably IHOP." <laughs> probably IHOP. That's correct. A little Rudy Tooty, fresh and fruity in our future. Wait, I thought that was is that Denny's? Uh oh. You went now. See, we're betraying what I just I thought, said. No, no, Rudy Tooty might be. I don't know. Denny's has You're thinking all the, of moons over Miami, dude. Yeah, Denny's has all the fun names. Rudy Tooty. I have. I've never ordered one. I don't really know where that is. All right, David, it's time for the overworked Twitter joke of the week where we celebrate a gag that was so obvious that all of media Twitter made it at exactly the same time. Send your nominees to at the press box pod where they are always gratefully received. Today's headline comes from the Dallas Fort Worth legend, Greg Tepper, managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas football down there. Greg self-reported this one. David, see, we're like the feds here at the press box. Mm-hmm. If you feel like you're making the same joke as everybody else, please self-report. And then we're more likely to be lenient on the <laughs> other side. Cut your deal. The story is that Little Caesars is now the official pizza of the NFL, displacing the former official pizza, which was Pizza Hut. It was a very overworked Twitter joke to write, hot damn. They did it. Someone has out pizzaed the hut. <laughs> hmm. If you're like David and I, and you look online for a coupon that gets you pizza and wings and dessert pizza, mm. congrats. You made the overworked Twitter joke of the week. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. 
Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. All right, in the notebook dump, David, I want to direct you to a tweet I read last Wednesday from Jamel Hill. Quoting here, I've reached the age where I'm starting to prefer listening to audiobooks and podcasts in the car instead of music. Please respect my privacy at this time. Now, I thought that was interesting. Where do you fall on, I'm driving around New Jersey, running errands, perhaps by myself, a little mm-hmm. time for David. Yeah. Am I listening to music or am I listening <laughs> to audiobooks and podcasts? My, my uh, The toughest part about this tweet for me is that I feel like I've been here for a long, long time. My wife always jokes about how I don't listen to music. And I'm like, no, I have very like specific and developed music tastes, but she's kind of right. Like I haven't listened to music since we met. You know, mm-hmm. I've been I've been listening to podcasts as my pretty steady diet of audio intake. Part of that is necessity, right? We've joked we've joked before on the show, and it's not entirely a joke about how we have to listen to like however many podcasts a week just to feel like we're keeping up with our friends and coworkers, right? Because pe- you have conversations, people have conversations on their podcasts that they don't have with you, but you're expected to be able to engage, or you feel obligated to be able to engage with them the next time you see them or talk to them or whatever, right? It's just like oh. Heard what you were saying about Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. Interesting take. Um, <laughs> so yeah, there's a sort of social and and career obligation to engaging with podcasts, but also it's like, you know, you reach a certain stage in life where you don't have as much time as you once did, and those, you know, and, and you and knowing that you do have a list of podcasts that you want to listen to on a given day, um. You know, you get in your car and you're out there running errands by yourself. Yeah, that's like your time. That feel like that's that's like a gift. That time is really special. You know, it's and it's you know, not no complaints about pandemic lifestyle, but it's a lot harder to to do work while listening to a podcast when you're you know keeping an eye on kids in the next room or whatever. So uh, you know, I, I, I'm I'm right there with her. I've been there for a while, but there is a sort of practicality to it my wife and i listen to music when we're on when we're on road trips you want to pass the time you know you always throw on like counting crows radio and see how much reminiscence we can (laughs) we can cram into an hour but like uh not specifically for the crows the counting crows songs for the record i'm more of a, a but but everything that that leads to is right up my alley um and Counting Crows is way better than I realized at the time. But anyway, uh, yeah, so I, you know, th- that's that's definitely a thing that that I'll do. But as far as new stuff goes, I don't know. I mean, I don't feel like the car ride is when I'm engaged to like listen to new music and to sort of start to appreciate stuff. And certainly not with other people in the car when you're and, and generally now at this point when we're on a, a road trip, yeah, we'll throw on an audiobook because it's an effective way to pass time. And it's also like when you're watching a TV show together, it's like you're, you have the same starting point. Right. There's not you don't have there's no explanation that needs to go on when you're just like, you know, devil in the white city, page one, you know, and you're both right there together. (laughs) (laughs) Let's uh, and I'm using the obligatory phrase of the podcast here. Let's unpack this for a second. Okay. so part of the magic of the podcast is that you and I are listening often to people that are actually our friends and colleagues at the ringer. Yeah. So we're kind of keeping up with them and what they're interested in and listening to them talking a podcast. Mm-hmm. And then for the vast 
universe of podcasts where we don't know the host, we are listening to people who are like our friends or we yeah. like to think of as friends because we've listened to them. So and, and hey, there's probably an element of it where it has gotten more severe during the pandemic because like we don't see friends or we haven't, you know, largely over the past couple of years, you know, this is, this is how you, like we've talked about how like us doing this podcast has been such a, you know, wonderful oasis over the past, but like, it's the same thing when I'm listening to in a different way when I'm listening to, you know, Bill's podcast or listening to any of the NBA shows or whatever. I'm just like, Oh my God, they pop on group chat. And I'm just like, Oh, my favorite coworkers, two of whom I've never met in real life, but still, you know, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's great. And I think that clarifies the decision or the choice a lot because you're not saying podcast or music. You say hang out with my, friends possibly imaginary friends or music mm -hmm. now music has those elements too i know if you're like in, into a band or followed a band for a long time all that stuff but that's what's interesting to me about this you're offering people the equivalent of like a really long cell phone call in a car which you remember 20 years ago was revelatory too. Whoa. Oh yeah. I'm driving around and I'm going to call somebody and it's not going to cost like a hundred dollars on a podcast. Mm -hmm. That's kind of amazing. The audio book part of this is to me, the really mind blowing part because you and I are old enough to remember books on tape. Mm -hmm. And I am specifically reminded of it because every time I go back to Albuquerque to see relatives, there is a place there called Archie's books on tape in a strip mall and it still? looks exact. Yes. Still there. I just looked it up as we were talking here opening today at 1230. It says it has been there forever. It survived from the first books on tape boom. When we were kids where mm -hmm. your parents were inserting literal cassettes into the car. Yeah. Apparently into the audible era. I'm not sure exactly what is being sold now. I feel like books on tape when those earliest days were, well, there was a lot of self-help. Was it mostly books for people that wouldn't have otherwise read books, whereas now it feels like it's just books for people who are, you know, maybe like reading books, but not at this moment because I'm driving somewhere? I think a lot of mystery novels were consumed that way. Oh, yeah. I think like I'm into this mystery writer who writes a novel a year. And on my trip or on my long commute to work, I'm going to consume their books. But it's so funny that that has now come around. Like, yeah, I just crushed a couple of books on my drive the other day. <laughs> a couple of big nonfiction books. I mean, think about that. I don't think you would have had that in the prediction column. No way. 15, 20 years ago. But that's that's become a thing. Whenever I talk to Kevin Clark, he's like, I just read that book, which meaning I just listened to that book as a podcast or as an audio book. And I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> just consuming the books as quickly as humanly possible. Do you think, you know, there's this whole stable of like, you know, veteran audiobook readers. You know, it's like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know who they are. Although if you listen to enough audiobooks, you do hear the same people again and you, you Google them in the car while your wife's driving or whatever to see how famous they are. I remember when my book came out years ago, someone was like, you know, tweeted me, you know, who should read, who should do the audiobook and said a name. Like, I don't know who it was. It was a bit, it was, a, it was someone who does audiobooks. You know, it's like a, there's a, there's a little mini celebrity, uh, uh, group 
of of books on tape readers. Yes. And I'm sure if you're a big audiobook reader or listener, then like, you know, there is you're you're definitely going to be like, "Oh, the new Michael Lewis is out. I'm excited." And it's being read by so and so. Oh my god, now I'm doubly excited, right? That would happen. Mhm. But do you think that there's like a market and I'm say this in the most self-serving way, don't don't get twisted. Do you think that there's a market for having books read to you by the podcasters that are already your like you already associate as like your best friends <laughs> david and like, i are not volunteering we want to make it very clear no, no but listen for the right amount of money i'm 100 percent volunteering but like if there's a book that's on the subject you know some some you know whatever some new hollywood book comes out and you're just like you know what i want to read this and i probably am just going to listen to it on tape but you know what would make a lot more sense is if sean finnessy was reading it to me <laughs> because I, he's the person that I listen to talk about movies. I think it's a great idea. And even more than the new book thing, what about the classic book from the genre? Yeah. So we're bringing back some classic books about Hollywood, Final Cut. Oh, then Fantasy can read them. Or people that are just like the big, the, the, I mean, I don't, sorry, I don't know any of the names, but these like giants of the true crime podcast genre. Like, why, like shouldn't there be a market for someone who's got like, 500,000 listeners talking about true crime to go back and re like read Dickens or something, you know, just to do just something that even is in the public domain, you know, just like, let's just going to go do a recording of this. Somebody should want to listen to that. That's probably happened. And we just don't know about it. Well, that's probably going to happen thought, now and we won't get credit. I always thought with your wrestling book, we should have picked a wrestler to read it. Mm -hmm. Was that ever, was that ever discussed? No, I don't. I wasn't really involved in that part of the conversation. That was solely on the publisher side. But it would be funny if it was just one wrestler who is not necessarily in the book, but just had a little bit of the the inherent growl and grit. Yeah, the critic Roland Bars once said of wrestling. How quickly would you turn that? How many minutes of <laughs> Macho Man Randy Savage reads you a nonfiction book could you deal with? But I disagree with Bars on one aspect. <laughs> Shoemaker wrote. God, I'm killing my voice just doing this. It's time for David Shoemaker Guesses, the strained pun headline. All right. Wednesday's headline about a donut truck that was stolen by a mysterious thief was, Who Donut? Today's headline comes from Michael Tatarski and Pretentious Watashi. It's from The Guardian, David. The newspaper reports that the world's hundreds of millions of noodle eaters face a rise in the price of their favorite meal as producers look set to heap surging wheat, energy, and transport costs onto consumers. As you consider surging noodle prices, David, the key word here is ramen. Ramen. What uh, was the Guardian strain pun headline? I was so ready for pasta. Uh, ramen. Um, yeah, pasta cost onto you. Yeah. Like uh, ramen. Um, very ramen. expensive. It costs a ramen a, a ramen a leg a ra ramen a leg. <laughs> you got it. That's tough. That's like playing with that. That would be <laughs> that. That would be some. That's like some 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 aspect. I mean, some like you know lesson in poetry class that I had already dropped out by the time that happened. That seems like a <laughs> like a two degrees off pun, which is both impressive and also you know a little bit problematic. You know, we usually don't know the genius behind these headlines because headline writing is kind of an anonymous art. This one uh, was identified, though. Warren Murray, 
who works as the Guardian Morning Briefing anchor, apparently the author of Ram and a Leg. Wow. Great work. Warren Murray. He is David Shoemaker. I'm Brian Curtis. Production Magic by Erica Cervantes. We got a big one, David. I'm going to be flying to your neck of the woods this week. Wow. And interviewing one of the most central media figures of that region. He is Angelo Cataldi. Wow. And he has been doing morning drive sports radio in Philadelphia for three decades. If you've ever met or befriended a Philly sports fan and wondered why they are the way they are, Angelo Cataldi's got something to do with that. Mm. Kind of creating the voice of a city sports fandom or honing it in a way or channeling it in a way. Is that what you're saying? Well, he's the, he's the most prominent Philly sports talker maybe ever. And yeah, I think he sort of has a way to channel the the grief and irrational expectations that sort of run parallel in Philly sports fandom. Plus, we'll be back Monday with more lukewarm takes about the media. See you then, David. See you later, Brian.